Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining us here on this Monday. I'm Bill Shanks. Tomorrow at lunch, I'm going to be filling in for Jeffrey. He's going to be on the road with uh, David Johnston to go do the Georgia baseball game in Atlanta. And so uh, we're going to sit in for him. We're going to be at Tommy's Bakery and Cafe. But, Tommy, do not fix that Shanks donut. I cannot eat that Shanks donut. A Shanks donut, if you don't know, is a chocolate donut with cream cheese in the middle. Oh, yeah. I know what you just said. Holy crap, that sounds delicious. It is, but I'm trying to do better. Seth Thompson at Totem Training in Warner Robins would kill me if I ate one of those Shanks donuts. But you can come and have a donut tomorrow at lunch while we're doing the show from Tommy's Bakery and Cafe on Thomason Road in Macon, Georgia. Please do. And you can show it to me, show me the donut and everything, make me feel like I'm the fat butt that I am. But anyway, I'm trying to be good. Trying to. I got a month before my birthday, and I'm going to have a piece of chocolate cake now, Seth, whether you like it or not, on March 13th. I don't give a damn about carbs on that day. I'm going to cheat now, Seth. But he's doing a great job. I'm sore because we had a workout this morning. I'm telling you, folks. If you need a personal trainer for a workout, totemtraining.fit. You need to get online and check it out. It's They do a really great job. He's doing, he's really helping me a great deal, so I'm appreciative of that. But we will be at Tommy's tomorrow. Can't wait. Tommy's has great food. I wish he'd kind of make a squash casserole for old Billy without the, without the cookies in there, Tom. But anyway, we'll be there tomorrow at lunch from 12 until 1. If you're in the area, stop by and... See us and get some donuts. Brent Beard, you would love Tommy's Bakery and Cafe. I just got a text from Brent Beard who said that uh, he's on the way over there to help you eat it. And Tommy just texted me, okay, I'll fix two. See what a lot of friends I have. A lot of, a lot of friends uh, yeah. I have trying to have willpower here, you know? And my, would, would Mama Shanks help you with that donut, too? I don't know. I just, you know, I, I love the donuts. I mean, just think, a donut with chocolate on top of it, cut in half, and cream cheese in the middle with a big old <laughs> glass of milk. It's He's got unbelievable donuts over there. The uh, build the sugar and salt content of that, I'm sure, would be what? Uh, astronomical. That, that, that'd, oh. that'd be a Kuna's... Um, uh, banning average, but boy, I bet it would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, I, I, well, the bad thing is because of how I've been eating, I'd probably become a diabetic right off the bat <laughs> in, in a heartbeat. Probably would. All right, Brent, Brent Beard from First Coast News in Jacksonville. I had Brent Beard on Twitter. Alabama is uh, done with their coaching staff, I believe. They named Chris Kapilovich, the Baylor offensive line coach, is their offensive line coach. And then they have uh, poached Brian Ellis off of Georgia Southern mm-hmm. staff to become the tight ends coach. He was the offensive coordinator there at Georgia Southern in Statesboro. So your thoughts on those two final moves there for Kalen DeBoer? Well, um, I mean, uh, with spring practice coming up and basically 
gosh, less than a month, they needed to go ahead and get that staff done. So, I mean, both guys are um, well thought of, even though they come from probably or or at least um, um, one of them comes from a smaller school in Ellis. But still, I mean, he he was the um, – Ellis is OC at, at Georgia Southern, so your listeners probably are, are familiar with him. Yeah. He was a quarterback at UAB at some point. Our friend Ryan Fowler um, broke that story a little bit earlier uh, today. So, yeah, I, I mean, even though Grubb goes to the the offense coordinator goes to the Seahawks, I think they're I think they're pretty pleased with what they were able to do in this day and age of coaches who uh, now you and I have been doing this for a long time. I, correct me here, but I don't ever remember across the board coaches leaving for other jobs, Bill, before, and I, I guess they have, uh, but, 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 but in the shadow of uh, uh, spring practice that, that they're going to have another uh, job somewhere else. My stars just Georgia State situation with the Elliott going to South Carolina. They had to they had to delay everything uh, again without belaboring the point. It's just a different day, isn't it, Bill? Well, and obviously uh, we talked about this a lot last week when it happened because it was shocking, and and obviously we found out after the fact that Coach Elliott's wife and kids had re- remained in in Columbia. Uh, mm-hmm. after he had taken the Georgia State job, which is unusual, obviously. And he he wanted to go back there, so that's why he did that. That's understandable. But still, it does beg the question with what happened with the Boston College coach and then the yeah. uh, decision by Chip Kelly to go from UCLA to be the <laughs> OC at Ohio State, if this is going to be a regular occurrence for people saying, uh eh, you know, and I even talked a little bit ago in the in the previous segment about Brian McClendon. I, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't heard from Brian McClendon. We don't know why Brian McClendon has made the decision to go to the NFL. Um, and and look, it's this is not the first time that college coaches have have gone to the NFL, have gotten the itch and the and sure. and and the curiosity about the NFL, whether it's Steve Sprayer or, or Brian McClendon, whether it's a head coach or an assistant coach. But you do wonder, don't you, Brent, if sure. all that's going on is making it a little bit more easier for them to make that decision. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, um, I mean, obviously McClendon was extremely popular among the Georgia players. I mean, he's going to be the wide receivers coach and pass game coordinator, probably in some ways that that, that will be hard to turn down. Uh, but I think, I think Georgia's like a lot of these colleges old Bill. And look, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure that Kirby would have given him equal money to have had him stay. But some of these guys want to start their career and and in the NFL at at, uh, at some point. But I wonder if it's going to take another two or three years for this NIL and the transfer portal to calm down somewhat. But look, with what you hear. And I hear about we may be a what build a year, two or three at, least, at the most away from contracts 
in a way from basically a pay scale for these guys uh, and no longer having scholarships. Um, it, I, I don't think there's any question that, that it is giving these guys pause to really think about where they need to go and just coach ball. I, I mean, listen, would you ever believe that these coaches would have 50 uh, analysts, Bill, and uh, with all that's going on, that they still rarely get to coach much? Well, and the sad part is a, a coach like Sean Elliott at Georgia State doesn't have 50 analysts. He no, doesn't. That, no. you know, the, Kirby does, and and a lot of them do, but Kalen DeBoer is probably going to have more at Alabama than he had at Washington. A lot of mm-hmm. them have a tremendous support staff, but but these smaller schools just do not have that, and, and that's no. what kind of makes you wonder about things. And, yeah, I think you kind of use the term just coach ball. There's no question NFL coaches work a tremendous amount of hours, but they do have some downtime. Mm-hmm. And while they're worrying about their particular unit for next year, they don't have to worry about recruiting talent. That's a no. big, big deal to a lot of you know, Some people love it, but even, yeah. you even wonder if the ones who have in the past, quote-unquote, loved it, don't as much anymore. Because, I mean, I don't know how the hell they do what they're doing. Um, uh, I don't either. I agree with that. Joe Tiller, when he left Purdue, <laughs> they said, Coach, what will you not miss? And he said, telling a 17-year-old that the state of the program will be decided on what decision he makes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, whether whether they admit that or not, Bill, isn't that true? Sure. That's um, ridiculous of what has to go on. No question about it. Brent Beard, our guest from First Coast News, talking college football. Andy Staples had an article today on On3.com that I want to talk to you about. Yeah, and and it discussed the FSU and ACC yes. lawsuit. Let me read this part for everyone. Um, and he talked about the the FSU ACC lawsuit being the trigger for additional realignment. And here's what he wrote: How can this happen? Because the ACC opened the door Friday afternoon for the next potential round of realignment. On page 20 of a 40-page filing that asked for dismissal or a stay of Florida State's lawsuit against the conference in Florida's Leon County, the ACC's attorney signaled a path to a logical endpoint in a case being litigated in two different states. The next move after that endpoint is probably yet another reshuffling that will once again alter our mm-hmm. perception mm-hmm. of which conferences hold how much power. The ACC, whether intentionally or not, indicated a willingness to negotiate with Florida State it raised the possibility that there is a yet-to-be-agreed-upon dollar amount that would allow the Seminoles to leave the conference. It's highly doubtful anyone in the conference office would admit this publicly now, but the inclusion of this language in a public court filing feels like proof enough that the divorce is going to happen. Now it's just a matter of how much alimony gets paid. So yes. a very interesting development there, and Andy Staples obviously going through the filing because he has nothing else to do but watching the NBA All-Star game over the weekend. No, that's his job, so he's going to do it. He does a does a fine job. But, I mean, that that is a significant development in that situation, isn't it? There's no question. Look, you and I have been talking for <clears throat> several weeks now that, that, frankly, behind the scenes, they are trying to get a settlement. I mean, Bill, the reality is someone is able to figure this up I know the exit fee is like 125 million, but 
overall, when you put everything together, Florida State folks I've talked to said that, that they'd figured it up to be about $500 million. So obviously what they're trying to do is to get that cut in half, right? right. Uh, that way ACC can get some money and they can get out knowing that where they go, which probably we hear is the Big Ten, um, that they will make more, they will make that up very quickly in the money that they get from the Big Ten compared to what they get from the uh, ACC. So, um, uh, but but that was very interesting uh, to, to say the least. That and again, uh, we may not understand all the legal legalese, but the ACC in in some ways left them a bit of a loophole, didn't they, Bill? Well, it was interesting, and let me ask a couple of follow-up questions to this now. You you say that about the Big Ten. Why do you think that is the, the place for them, and how big could the Big Ten get? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, certainly from we're, again, a couple hours from Tallahassee, and, and, and the sources that we deal with have told us that, that it looks like it's going to be the Big Ten as far as where they're going to be. I mean, look, I would – I'd love for them to be in the SEC. Um, it would be great to be able to go over there and cover Florida State, again, someone from the SEC. But that that's what we continue to hear. Now, again, who knows what could change. But, but, but to your point, which is a good one, is, I mean, we've heard anywhere from, I mean, I mean probably at least 20. Uh, and then depending on from there, I mean, Bill, can they go to 25? I mean, at some point, my Lord, you've got to cap it, don't you? So so um, does the SEC and Big Ten, obviously, with this little meeting of the minds, what how how minimally can we describe what they're going to do? Yeah. It's not an alliance, yeah. but it's obviously some sort of agreement to try to act in concert on some subjects. Do they get together and and discuss how to divvy up the ACC? Because of course, if FSU's one, they're they're going to follow. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you think they would discuss what happens to those teams that are attractive, and then how those two super conferences that may be twenty to twenty two, twenty four, even mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brent? could act as a one football conglomerate to find a champion and then say, Big 12, you better hop on board and you got a short yep. amount of time That's to right. do it or we're moving on. Yeah, well, and, and I've heard a little bit of that uh, today too. And, and again, pro, proactive is the key word here. That's what everybody criticizes the NCAA for because they've just reacted and not been proactive. So, there's been a couple of things come up with that day, and, and, and I'll be quick here. But, the, but back to what you said, I mean, there's still a lot of thought about North Carolina, Clemson, Virginia. Uh, I've heard North Carolina, Virginia more to the SEC than to the uh, than to the Big Ten. Uh, Clemson's uh, got to come to the SEC, don't they? I mean, my God. Really, really, they've really. Got to. Come on. Now, the other thing that's come forth today is that some of the – there's been some people um, that have mentioned more what you and I talked about in the last two or three weeks 
that the non-Power 5 have got to do something to save themselves, right? So that there's been more talk over the weekend and today about the possibility of the non-Power 5 looking in to have their own playoff situation and more of their own television situation. So, but, but, but Bill, here again, here's the thing. Would you rather have one team from the group of five in the big boy playoffs? No. Or would you, or, or would you rather have your own playoffs in TV contract? I mean, Bill, to me, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, the amount of money with the contract shouldn't change even if it was simply the SEC, Big Ten, and Big 12. Yeah. In my opinion, I mean, because, okay, sure, there are I mean, Pac-12's dead. So yeah. it's like, and, and the other, let me ask you this to, to try to get to some of these answers. Let's say the, let's just say $200 million is what the ACC gets from FSU. Right. Right. What are they going to do with that money? Especially yeah. if they get another quarter of a billion dollars from other teams that leave. Sure. So sure. the remaining, what, eight teams that are in the ACC, what do they do with that money? Do they create their own? I mean, to me, that ought to be a way to create that second tier that yeah. to invite yeah. the Conference USA something like that, the, the, the Mountain West, maybe? Yeah, um, yeah very in, possibly. Don't you have to do that, Brent? I mean, mm-hmm. but what are they going to do with all that money if all the teams leave and, and our eight teams aren't going to divvy up a extra, what, 50 to $60 million yeah. apiece, yeah. are they? Yeah, well, and, and, and that's the question that I don't think anyone really understands right now. But, I mean, certainly – uh, they they need revenue streams, um, and uh, I mean uh, again, who can they coerce, uh, and what what else can they do? Uh, I mean, I mean, look, that'd be a nice problem to be able to have that. But Bill, again, uh, before they get to that point, if you know these other teams are leaving, you've got to do something to set up some kind of advantage for yourself. Even if they do, and I mean, I I get the fact of Cal and SMU coming over and Stanford. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, that, that you you know that, that's really not a fit, but that, that they were smart enough to know that they're going to lose some schools, so they might as well get prepared. So the so the point is, again, that that we come back to the sooner these these folks not going to the SEC or their Big Ten can can prepare themselves, the better they're going to be. But but. If even if they'll be flushing money, what's the big deal if their conference is going to be crap? Well, right. I mean, uh, at least for football. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, and, and know, isn't I mean, it a time that we also have the conversation of can't we do things for football and 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 uh, like yes. Chip Kelly said, go back to more regional situations for the other sports that makes sense. Uh, a whole lot more sense. Yeah. Yes. That, and see, that's something a lot of people haven't talked about. They, they, they think all this is going to be uh, uh, including all sports when it when it may not be. Yeah. Uh, it, you, that, that's part of what we hear that's going on. To your point, that the Olympic sports will stay more regional, but football will not, obviously, because it's the, 
it's the money maker, and they can go anywhere they want to, and they'll be okay. Well, it, it's it's just uh, obviously it's just an interesting situation here, but it almost seems like, especially after what Andy Staples wrote this morning, that until that first domino falls. But right. here's the right. other thing that I think is kind of interesting too, Brent, is we are now in mid-February, so March, April, May, June, July, mm-hmm. August. Mm-hmm. We're 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 six and a half months until the beginning of the season. Right. And if anything were to happen quickly, that would be an extreme change um, because there there's already talk about expanding from 12. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to 14 or 16. Right. And, yeah, yeah. And, but and that, but does, doesn't – I'm sorry, but doesn't that have to coincide with either expansion slash reorganization for mm-hmm. that to be the potential format, Brent? Possibly. But, you see, here's another thing that uh, for folks to keep in mind. And for Florida State to leave, you remember when we talked about this last summer, sometime this summer they have got to give the league notice right. that they're leaving. Yeah. So, so a da- that, Is it May? Kinda, when is that date, Brent? Do you know? No, I, I, Bill, it's, I think it's in um, – uh, maybe July, early August. Okay. But 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 again, to your point, uh, you know, people are thinking, well, you know, it's February, we're okay. But but Bill, when you're making decisions like this, the clock's ticking, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now one more thing, and we'll let you go. And I'll be appreciate appreciate you being with us. Charles Barkley last night on the NBA All Star Game went off on the yeah. NIL to yeah. the commissioner of the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Silver, and Silver talked about the fact that he has had many discussions with the new as uh, NCAA president, who he labeled as more proactive than reactive, because Charles yeah. went off in the NCAA as he has in the past about simply being reactive, and as mm-hmm. we've said, the damn right. trains left the station. I mean, they should have done what they should have done yes. ten years ago to prepare for all this damn mess that they've got everything in. Yes. Um, and now the, they were referring more to the NIL situation, but I still thought it was interesting that Adam Silver said he had had discussions with with the NCAA president who was located there in Indianapolis. Do, does Roger Goodell and Adam Silver, do they need to be involved in these conversations to a certain extent? I, uh, look, I, I, I don't think there's any question about that. I, I mean, Bill, uh, uh, now – I'm not saying that this is necessarily going to happen, but you hear this is that one day is college football basically going to be, for lack of a better word, a minor league for the NFL. Right. I mean, I mean, you've heard that you've heard that like I have, and and you know, and we don't know what that necessarily means. We we may not like it, but we know that's out there. And if you're both those commissioners, Bill. Don't you want to be in? You may not be at every meeting, uh, even virtually, but don't you want to know what's going on all the time? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I do. That's your talent pool. Yeah, right? there's no question. I mean that that's your talent pool, and I think even, I think even the possibility of your future talent pool becoming more enriched, yes, literally, yes. is something that should be of interest to those two leagues, well, all the leagues, but particularly the NBA and the NFL, 
and that that I just found that very interesting last night, and that it kind of caught my eye. And so, well, you know, look in in the in the notes that we share, one of the most most I'm not going to say alarming. I just thought it was illuminating. Was uh, I'm sure you've seen this that only about fifty college players went out early for the uh, NFL compared to what we've had before, right? Oh, yeah. Like well. 125 or whatever, whatever it's been. And, and the, now if there is a good thing about the NIL, and I know there's some good things, but, uh, to me, keeping these guys in school where they're playing, when, when some of them keep some of them from getting bad advice and going out early when they don't need to, I, I frankly think that's a positive. Well, it is. And, and, you know, could it lead to a certain, well, I don't know if that's right or not. I was going to say, could it lead to a certain increase in some of the graduation rates, or at Maybe. least to Maybe. have certain a certain percentage of players who may leave early? But how is that going to happen if they're changing schools every year or two? That's uh, tough. Th- isn't yeah, it? yeah. They I don't agree. give a damn and, about going to school. And, still, yeah. Know. Do they do they tie it in to Do they somehow reward the players? Bill and tied in to graduation rates. Well, I, I, you know, I, I tried to get an NIL attorney to come on with me, and he would not. Really? And and I, I do not think that you're going to find any, because I don't think we know any details of how NIL goes. Right. You know, right. we we've asked the question: Are any of the NIL deals tied to bowl play, bowl participation? You know, mm-hmm. do you save some of the money for bowl participation? Do you get it all up front? Well, I mean, there are a yeah. lot of questions that are, yeah. are are just simply not answered in this situation no. with NIL that I think would be interesting to know. And obviously, I mean, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he was one of the top NIL agencies, and it was his agency, and he's, no, 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 no. So, I mean, but it's hard to get a grasp on things if we simply don't, don't know. When are these but players wonder, getting paid? I mean, forget about how much they're getting paid. Right. We know, right. but when are they getting paid? What do you have to do to I get agree. paid? We don't even know that. No, no, we don't. And by the way, I will pass this on to you. I do some uh, radio with with our friend uh, Terry Norvell, and the other day he had an NIL attorney on Bill who was willing to come on. Really? Wow. Okay. Uh, yes. Good for Terry. Yes. And the guy, and the guy, frankly, was uh, fascinating. But see, with this stuff that 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 we're talking about, Bill, if they had, and we're going this way, uh, I believe, if they had contracts, would what you've been talking about in the last five minutes be in a contract? Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Certainly, I don't know how you yeah. avoid it. I, I don't either. I, I agree mean, with that, but I, but again, uh, uh, frankly, wouldn't some of that be pretty positive too? Well, I think so, and I think it will give coaches a better idea of what they're going to have from year to year, especially if they're they some of these players are locked up in two-year contracts. Right. Absolutely. Because I don't, I don't know how – if you have a five-star player and you want to get him compared to the other school, I mean, we've talked about this in the past. Do you offer a two-year contract instead of a one-year contract? Do you offer a three-year yeah. contract instead of yeah. a two-year contract? Yeah. Right, it's right. guaranteed money for three years going to get one player to come to your school compared to he's only offered one year well, by the other school. And then if you get a player it, it, yeah. for a three-year contract and then he's a jerk, what do you do? Yeah, well, boy, yeah. And, and Bill, could the 
two, could a longer contract uh, make as much of a difference to some of these guys than the money would? Sure, maybe, maybe. I mean, that I, that's what I, I mean. I'll have, we'll have to check with Terry to see if those questions were asked or if he got any insight on that. But I, I mean, it was just one person I had a, a chance to contact, and it was uh, you know I, because I don't think we know the answers to these no, questions. Well, well yeah, right. Right, and coaches, you know, if I had Kirby Smart on here and I said, Kirby, can you offer a three-year contract to Juju Lewis? Ain't no way he's going to answer that question. No, oh, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't no. either, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I, no, I wouldn't but, either. But and, and this is more discussion on the other day. I mean, I mean, you know, with the, I'm, I'm curious with the circle of Georgia people that you know, or they. Uh, are they working through their angst with this bill, or or have some of them said, uh, "I'm I'm almost quitting college football until they get this straightened out." Uh, we're winning right now. They don't give a damn. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. But, if, but look, if you're if you're winning, it's not that big of a deal. No, if you're no, losing, absolutely, it's not. You can gripe more if you're losing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, but, good segment, good stuff, good conversation here um, about things we just can't figure out. Uh, that's the story really. of my show. <laughs> we'll talk it out, but by gosh, we can't figure it out. Brent Beard, I agree. First Coast News, at Brent Beard on Twitter. Thank you. Always, brother. Take care. All right. Uh, I mean, it all kind of ties together with what we were talking about. Every bit of it. Every bit of that conversation you've heard Chuck talk about this. You've heard Bill talk about this in the mornings. You've heard Jeffrey talk about this on the Noonday Show. Mike and the boys on the press box. I mean, it, it's it's just a, a kind of a domino effect that impacts so many different parts of college football that we, we I'm sitting here shrugging my shoulders right now. We don't know. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 478-646-3776. You can talk about what we've been talking about there with college football. You can talk college baseball. College, why isn't college basketball better in this damn state? Did you hear my segment in the last hour of all these college basketball teams in Georgia that are just not any good? Why can't we have better college basketball in the state of Georgia? You can talk Braves. Don't talk Hawks. Back with your phone calls at 478 646 3776 also on Twitter, at Bill Shanks. Back right after this. 4.35 our time. We went a long time with Brent Beard there. And before we get to a, a call, um, uh, real quick. All right, so, and, and I've mentioned this before. My curiosity about college football is this. And this may be going on for all I know. I don't know. Very difficult to, very difficult to kind of decipher in what's going on exactly. I'm taking an example here. Juju Lewis, big-time quarterback, Atlanta area, number one prospect, I believe, coming up. Committed to, I think, USC still. Visiting Georgia. And let's say Kirby Smart says, Juju, here's what I want to do. I want to offer you in your NIL pack. Of course, he can't, but let's just say this is offered from someone at the University of Georgia. Juju, I want to make sure that you are guaranteed X for three years. Now, of course, we're in the in the type of environment that Juju may go to USC and say, hey, look what Georgia's offering me. Will you do this too? And there, then there's a bidding war. 
And don't think that crap's not going on right now. How do you think Caleb Downs probably got to Ohio State? But can coaches make that kind of offer to where it's a multi-year offer? Is that already going on? Are guarantees already going on? And here's the thing. How is that going on and not being on paper? How are, how are recruits even believing that what may they may be offered? And then what's the protection for a school if they get someone like that under that type of agreement and then that person turns out to be a bad seed or a bad influence? I mean, just there's just so many things that can come into play here that you just wonder about. All right, let's get to the phones. Uh, bases are loaded here. Let's start with Bill and Macon. Hello, Bill. Yeah, I just wanted to mention to you and uh, the listeners that uh, ex-Falcon Fulton Kuykendall, the uh, legendary Captain Crazy from the Gritzblitz, had passed away last week. Uh, he yeah, we there. talked about it when when it was announced by the AJC. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed that. But he was a great guy. I happened to meet him a couple of times, and uh, I guess he passed away from dementia at age 70. Yeah, it was uh, bad. The article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution said that he had been dealing with it for a couple of years. His widow was going to donate the brain to the uh, uh, clinic up in Boston or somewhere, I believe it is, that is studying that that disease that a lot of the football players have had. So I hated to hear it. He was a great name from the past, and uh, just more and more we're hearing those type of stories, aren't we? Yeah, and a, a good memory. I think the 77 Falcons only gave up 129 points. That's right. On defense. That's quite a, quite a thing. Yeah. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. 478-646-ESPN. Annika in Athens, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm good. Good to hear from you. I wanted to talk about Georgia basketball. Okay. I remember when Anthony Edwards stopped was committed to Georgia, said he was coming, and everybody was like, oh, this is going to change the program. Like, this is going to be so big for us. And I don't understand why it wasn't. Was he not here long enough to do anything? Like, maybe if he'd stayed for two or three years? Or what? what's the reason that that virtually had no impact like it was supposed to? Well, I, I think for a, for a mid-level program, which I think Georgia is, at the least, maybe a low-level program, a one-and-done, I don't know if it can have that kind of impact. I thought it would happen, too. I thought well, there's got to be some kind of bounce. There's got to be some sort of assistance to help Tom Crean in that situation, the coach at the time, to get more top prospects because others may say, hey, look, Anthony Edwards could have gone anywhere in the country. He was a Georgia guy. He went to Athens. He was there. He's going to the NBA. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe maybe the Kentuckys and the Dukes of the world are able to have that continual bounce of the players who just do that every couple of years to where it, it's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion where it's more of a task for Georgia. I mean, obviously, if it had happened, Tom Crean may still be the coach today, right? So I, I'm I'm surprised it didn't happen, but it may be more difficult than we think. And, of course, now NIL is involved as well. Um, if, if Georgia had just unlimited NIL for college basketball, maybe now they'd be able to get more prospects like that. How much of the – and here's a question I don't think we know, but Asa Newell coming in and Dominique Wilkinson, how much did NIL play a part in that? Maybe – all of it did, maybe none of it did. Who knows? But 
You know, so there's another element of it. It's just not asking about, well, why – I mean, I'm asking why can't Georgia – state of Georgia basketball be better. But now it's like, well, if the NIL is there, it won't matter how how it can get better or not. So it's it, – it's, I just don't get it, though, still, Annika, of how there's not a, a, a more of an urge for players in this state to stay home at any of these larger basketball programs in Georgia. It's just crazy to me. Do you think that because we've been so successful in football that that's hurting basketball because we're putting all of our NIL money into football? Well, I don't know proportionally how NIL in basketball is doing. I mean, you can't compare it to, I guess, in football. I'm sure football is much higher. How is NIL in basketball compared to the other conference teams? I don't know if we know the answer to that either. How you know? How is baseball? How is how is West? Did West Johnson have to have assurances about NIL when he took the job as the new head baseball coach? I'm sure he he asked for some. I don't know how a coach can't if they're coming into any kind of program now. I mean, to ask at least the question. Um, I think the perception's always been in the public that well, Georgia's such a football school that the concern is not there for baseball and basketball. And a lot of people believe that a lot of people thought, well, they just don't care. You know, they went with Mark Fox for a certain amount of years. They kept Scott Strickland where they may should have let him go earlier. Um, I don't know how fair that is, but you know, it, well, with, with that kind of performance in that they had in their programs been accepted in football. Well, not, no, there's no way. So there would have been a, 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 a quicker trigger finger if that had been a, a football program that was either at 500 or below in, in, in Athens. So I think there's always going to be a football component to asking the question, why can't these programs be better? But then it's a moot point when you see Alabama basketball better. You see Florida, of course, with Billy Donovan for those years better with championships. And now, again, this guy, this kid looks like he's 20 coaching the Gators the other day. I mean, my gosh, he came from, what, San Francisco or somewhere out west, I believe, to be the coach of the Gators replacing Mike White, and he's doing a great job at a quote-unquote football school in Gainesville. So um, there seem to be a lot of excuses but not a whole lot of answers for some reason. What do you think? I I honestly expected it to be the opposite. I mean, I applied to Georgia right after the second national championship and the amount of applicants like tripled because people were like interested in Georgia now wanting to go to Georgia. And I sort of had just assumed that that kind of effect would sort of roll over and have more people be interested in Georgia coming for basketball or for baseball, but it just, it hasn't done that. And it's winning two back-to-back national championships doesn't get people to want to come here. I don't know. I don't know what else will at this point. Well, I think it's a good question, and I think, again, I wish we knew the NIL situations. Are are are, are the dogs able to compete with uh, other schools, um, even if we just keep in the conference? Forget about the other programs outside of the SEC when it comes to NIL for baseball and basketball. I just don't know. I mean, I would hope so because, I mean, that it, it's easier for a Georgia – to get a K.J. Bolden to come for football and obviously, quote-unquote, turn down money from someone else, FSU, and turn down more money from someone else and come to Georgia anyway because he wants to be part of a winner. 
how likely is that for someone to do that if the program's not a winner? Well, I think it can be. I think it can be tough. Um, so it it's man, it's tough. It's it's a tough environment right now, and I you just have to. I mean, Georgia baseball's got so many transfers, and I think. I think White's going to have to do it with basketball too, isn't he? He's going to have to continue to get transfers each and every year. Yeah, and I I think that's having players like that that maybe couldn't play at another school because of the amount of superstars they're getting from NIL is really the only way that anything's going to change. I mean, we need consistently to have players going to the NBA and doing well at the next level to get any interest. I mean, obviously just Anthony Edwards didn't do what we thought it was going to do, so it'll have to be tenfold that to make any impact, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think you need more than one player for sure. Hey, thank you, Annika. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, Bill. Have a good one. All right. We're going to take a break, come back. we got one on hold. It's Eddie from Ackworth, and we'll talk with him and take your phone call as well right after this. Ten minutes before the hour. Thanks for joining us. Back to the phones we go. Eddie and Ackworth, hello. Hey, Bill. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Great call by Annika, and I can answer her question. Um, and I'm with her. I thought we'd get a big bounce out of the Ant-Man as well. But mm-hmm. the team stunk. That's why we didn't get a bounce. They were terrible. They didn't do anything. And Bill, the fans are there. They've been showing up this year. They're starving to have a basketball team that's worth a darn. I guarantee they're going to be big time there this weekend against Auburn. They're they're going to. So we're starving for it. But until this team consistently goes to the tournament, we won't ever get there, Bill. And I don't mean one Consistently, yeah, we got to get there one time first, don't we? Exactly. I know that, Bill. Yes, we got to start somewhere. But it needs to be consistent over time. Until we get that going, we're always going to be mediocre in basketball. You got to have some consistency. Well, it's it's got to start with winning records, and even yeah. you know, I mean, you you think about baby steps and and uh, winning records and not getting the tournament is not fun. But you know, we we when they were fourteen and five, we we're like, well, could they? Maybe. Well, could they mm-hmm. do it? And we at least thought about it, and we conversed about it, and that was fun because we haven't done that in a long time. But still, it, it's uh, it, it's it's a long way, you know. This, this this program again, like I said earlier, it went as damn far down as you can get two years ago, and uh, mm-hmm. now it's just it's challenging. And you know, I, I hope Mike White is the right person for the job. I mean, again, I. I don't want to throw him over the ship because of what's happened in these last six games. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. There's no question about it. But we got to give him time. And it's all about what transfers he can get in. He got in good ones this year. He needs to get in great ones and greater ones. I think the lesson from the Anthony Edwards thing is one person can't do it. And, you know, when, the, when, right. when these one-and-done people come to Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke, they're surrounded by good talent. Yeah, exactly right. Before I get to baseball, I have a solution for the stupid NBA All-Star game. Just put five people on one side of the court, five on the other. Don't let them cross half court, and the most creative offensive play gets a point. I don't know what that would be right it's, now. They, they don't even it, – it's no defense. Bill. It's, no defense. it's such a joke. It's it is, and, and even even Trey last night, like, man, run back. Run back on defense. You know, yeah. try. And they weren't. They were yeah. – it was not it was not important to them and even Joker 
to for him to to lollygag even on a layup where he could have dunked it. I don't know. It was just it was like I'm not watching this crap. Any, I mean, I really hope we have ratings that separate it by the first and second half. I think it'll be a drastic drop off. Well, and I look at it. If they don't care, I don't care. And that's, that's right, exactly and that's the decision I made at halftime when I turned it off. Yep. Well, uh, on to baseball, and um, I'm going to throw softball in here too, Bill. That this looks really promising. I mean, combined, the men's and women's teams over the weekend scored 72 runs in five games. And, hey, the dogs look pretty promising. The men's side, uh, they got some players worth watching that are transferred. Charlie Condon is a superstar in the making. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, your listeners need to pay attention to the softball team. I mean, they are beating really good teams, and they demolished Florida State 20-10, to and they're number four or five in the country, and they did that without Jaden Fields even starting. So they are loaded top to bottom, 9-0. and They're number three in the country now. They're worth paying attention to. Maybe baseball is going to be our savior since basketball stinks at Georgia. Maybe, and that's good to hear about softball, and, and it's it, it's good. I mean, it's good for, for the programs to do well. I, I think it will uh, I think it'll just get more attention if the baseball can get a little bit more respect. But we won't know that probably until they get into conference play because of how tough the SEC is. But still, just to start off with a good good beginning for Wes is, is, a, is a great thing, and that I'm, I'm excited to see more. I want to see that lineup. I want to see what that, that kid uh, Slade – Slade, um, oh hell, Alford could do. I mean, if Alford and, and Condon can be a pretty good duo there in the middle for that offense, they're going to score some runs, and you expect their pitching to be better because they're who their new head coach is. Right, exactly right. I'm excited about it. Thank you, yep. Bill. All right, thank you. Four seven eight six four six espn is our number. We are talking sports. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Justin Toscano has an article up on – Wasker Enoa on AJC.com. I'm telling you, Alex Anthopoulos said when he was on the show last month, don't forget about Enoa. He's healthy going into camp, and I will read this article here during the break, but all the different candidates for the fifth starter's job, whether it's Bryce Elder or, of course, Reynaldo Lopez, A.J. Smith-Shalver, Hurston Waldrop, don't forget about Enoa. What if Enoa comes back and is that pitcher we saw before he broke his hand in Milwaukee a few years ago when he was on his way to the All-Star game? There's no doubt about that. So, anyway, I'll read about this. Phone lines are open. Three of them are 478-646-ESPN, 478-646-3776. And you can also chime in on Twitter, at Bill Shanks. Tell me what your area code is. Get in my Bill King voice from the 912. Back with more here on the Bill Shanks Show. 